Now, thank you for those words, Elliot. So last week, Corey shared with us, and then the week before that, we were, we were going forward in our book of John study. Grab your Bibles, or open them on your phones, wherever you're choosing to read those too. John chapter 2. And if you remember, we, we started the book, we were talking about this guy, John the Baptist. And apparently he was baptizing people for the baptism of repentance, forgiveness of sins, almost like a ceremonial washing. And they would do that in the Jordan River. And apparently he was doing this in a place that they were calling Bethany, but it was on the other side of the river. Not, not the Bethany we hear about later on in Jesus' life that's near Jerusalem. So apparently, there's a lot of, uh, there's another town that has that same name. And then Jesus calls his first disciples. And many of his first disciples, do you remember any of their names? Andrew? Peter? Peter. <laughs> Who else? James? John? Right. And then he, and then, so then from there, right, and then he goes, and then it says they go from there, right, some of these disciples of John, they follow him, and he goes up to Galilee. And in Galilee, he, he meets a guy, um, he meets two guys up there, Philip, and who was Philip's friend that he went and told Jesus about, or told about Jesus? Was that? Nathan, right, also known as, and you said his name a minute ago, Bartholomew, right? Yeah, yeah. Bart. So that's kind of where we're, we're at there. He's gathered these guys. And then we'll start with verse 1, chapter 2. It says this, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. So let me, let me go forward here. Let's see if I can... Now see, here's Galilee, right? So what we know is apparently they... They were down here probably somewhere, right? In Bethany. They made the trip up. They met Philip. And they met Nathaniel. And Philip was from Bethsaida. So where in Galilee were they when they met him? You can speculate, but it didn't say specifically. So now they're there, and it says on the third day. So this is the third day, we believe, based on what's written here, since they've met Nathaniel. And on the third day, Jesus is like, Hey guys, they're going to do something super spiritual, okay? Discipleship. This is where he started with discipleship. We're going to go to a party, a wedding, right? My mom got me an invitation. That wedding is going to be here in Cana. And you can see in the red lettering there just below Cana is Nazareth. That's where Jesus grew up. So we believe that his mom was probably in that area. Uh, what... I saw something, they said, based on archaeological digs in that area. They think that Nazareth, at the time of Jesus, might only have like 150 to 200 people living there. I don't know if it's true, but we're talking about small towns, right? And they had proximity to, a, to some Roman governance. And so some people would, would travel, and they were kind of helping the Romans. So it was small, disrespected because it was small, disrespected because it wasn't Jerusalem, disrespected because this proximity to a lot of the governance of the Roman Empire, right? 
So that's where Jesus came from. They go to this wedding. This is the first church, right? We're going to have church. We're going to go to a wedding. So on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Who's the mother of Jesus? Mary. We know her as Mary. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. So there could be speculation about how many of them came, but, but most likely he, he had Nathaniel and Philip because he just met them, right? He also had Peter and Peter's bro- brother Andrew, right? And then you had John, the disciple who's writing this, and possibly his brother James. So it could have been like Jesus and six disciples. That's what a lot of, a lot of people who study the scripture think. They went to this wedding and it was in a small town. What do we know about... What do we know about weddings at this time in that culture? You guys, have you guys been in a part of any studies of that? It could last up to a week, right? It's quite, it's quite a party. It's quite a gathering. Uh, we know that Jesus was not from a wealthy family. And, and this wedding was in a very small town. So this wasn't like a big city wedding. So chances are the, the number of guests was was more limited, and the financial resources were probably limited. What's that? Oh, I thought someone said something. And the fact that Mary got invited and Jesus got invited, we, it doesn't say specifically, but we believe that this was someone they knew. The groom's family, most likely. Mary came there, uh, Nazareth to Cana, depending on where they place Cana, somewhere between like 2.7 miles and 7 miles from Galilee. So a brisk walk that his mom took to get there. And depending on where they were at in Galilee, they took a good walk. But we know it's been three days since they met Nathaniel. And we know from John 21 too that Nathaniel was born in Cana. So he had some friends there. There's a good chance he probably knew this family as well. Okay, lots of so what's, right? Cool information, Will. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, we want to tell the story, and then it's like, Lord, okay, teach us from the story, because this story really points us back to Jesus and who he is. And I assure you, one of the biggest problems we have in our beliefs and our faith is we have a lot of the wrong ideas about Jesus. And so going back to the story of his life and who he is and what he did and what he's commanded us to do is, is about the best I can offer you to help you in your walk with Christ. So they're at this wedding, and then verse 3 says, when the wine ran out. Would this be a problem? Why do you suppose this would be a problem? It shows that you haven't prepared properly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dishonor for the host. Yeah, that's a big thing that we see. Okay, first of all, can we, can we debunk this myth that all the wine in the Bible is grape juice? It's not grape juice. Now, from what we understand, the water, a lot of the water in the area wasn't great for drinking, right? It, there, there could be bacteria in there, parasites in there. Uh, so even, even younger people would drink wine. And, and when it, 
when it was drink, drunk on a regular daily basis, it wasn't uncommon to water it down a little bit, right? So like you to have two cups of wine from the grocery store and 12-year-old Billy of Nazareth having two cups of wine at the wedding feast, it might have a little bit of an effect, a different effect. However, drunkenness was still a problem, and this is a week-long party. Okay? And I don't think parties have changed that much over time. As a matter of fact, we can read a lot of accounts of parties that got out of hand. So they ran out of wine. First of all, you culturally have this big problem because the groom's family was responsible, right, for this event. And it was a big event. And it had a lot to do with their, with their standing and culture, their respect. So this family would have been disgraced. What a bad way to start out a marriage with a, a new family. Anytime you see this depicted, right, on the screen, it's always like a snotty family that belongs to the bride and the groom's family is humble and they're longing to impress their new daughter-in-law's family. Okay, that, that, we've taken creative liberty, but it does make sense. Uh, what would have happened if they ran out of wine? I don't know. What do they have... Still got married and been happily ever after? Uh, probably, okay. But here Jesus is, the wine ran out. And then the interesting thing is, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Interesting question. Don't have an answer. But I have a, a thought. How in the world did she know they were running out of wine? Right? Probably helping. Yeah, I think that tells you her proximity, her proximity to the groom's family. She knew them well enough that obviously when this, uh-oh, this is, something's gone horribly wrong, word got to her. And then she knew to go to Jesus. They've got no wine. And then Jesus said to her, and guys, I've tried this line. It doesn't work on your wife. <laughs> right, baby? <laughs> right. Woman. Okay, I, so, so here's what, <laughs> you have to look at this. He's like, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Okay, context, right? Jesus, perfect, I believe, in the way he handles his humanity. What's interesting about this, okay, so I'm, I'm the father of a boy who's going to be 19, and I'm the son of parents I had to, leave and cleave to my wife that I did a super poor job at, okay? So I have personal experience in this. And what I see with this, with Jesus, is, is this woman has to do with a female term, but also, based on his tone, what I think he's hap what's happening is what's healthy. There's this line kind of being drawn, like, I am, I am your son, but I am a man. I am your son, but I am the Messiah. And this is very hard for a mother as your, or even a father as your son grows up. There comes this point in time where you have to treat them differently because they become a man. Or, or your daughter grows up and they're a woman. And there's, there's this new line, I'm still their parent, but things are changing. Anyone see this? Anyone else do this poorly and see the hurt? So perfect Jesus is like, I know I'm your son, but mom, lady... I got, told, I got so many other thoughts on this, but that aren't, aren't for right now. But, but he says, what does this have to do with me? It's like, not my brother's wedding. Right? It's not like James's wedding. Or... And then he says, my hour has not yet come. 
I underlined my hour because I, I want to make sure I stop here. As someone who's, who's tr- maybe trying to follow Christ might be the best Prescott Valley 2022 way to say it. Okay. It's like, in, in all my desire to follow Christ, one of the hardest things to keep in mind is that dude is crazy patient. And I am not. God, Jesus is so patient and I am not. And I love that when he's patient with me. Happy face, right? And it's hard when he's patient with others and it hurts you. Do you see that? Let's just be, no, I just love it when he's patient with everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe your stranger, but not your wife or your husband or your kids. Like waiting on God to do a work in someone else around you is heartbreaking. It could be frustrating. But here he is, he's like, it's not the right time for me to do this. Like, whoa, what did she know that Jesus could do? You know, or was she just venting? I I don't know, but Jesus is like, there's so many things I could do right now. But the time, my time to come out, because he knew once he came out as Messiah, and as word got out that he came, the Messiah was here, he knew the people's understanding of what the Messiah would do would be overthrow the Roman government. And he would become the Roman government's enemy number one. As well as the Jewish religion's enemy number one. And he knew the ending of that process would be his death. But his time had not come yet. My hour has not yet come. And then his mother does this amazing thing. I mean, this could be the sermon in itself, but I'll keep going. And then she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Wow. There's a good, good time for a pause. Let's just pause there for a minute. Do whatever he tells you. Some of you are probably like trying to get into my head, like why in the world is this important? Because she knew, even though she wanted him to do something, she trusted Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, just, just do it. His timing is perfect. His way is perfect. So you could write that on a card, put it in your pocket, we could just leave right now, and that would actually challenge you for the next 25 to 30 years if you looked at that every day. Okay. Do whatever he tells you to do because his way is life. His way is full life. His way is true. His way is good. His way is holy. But I I won't stop there. I want to keep going. So now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. What I love about it is it tells me, because some people be like, oh, jars, it was just this little probably, because they weren't going to get drunk, Randy. Right? Like, yeah, right. Okay, no, we're talking 20 or 30 gallons of water, right? Turned into wine. And then some people are like, well, maybe only the wine they scooped out turned into wine. I don't know. It doesn't say. But there was 20 or 30, right? There was, how many of those? Six of them, even at 20, six times 20, math majors, 120, right? That's a lot of gallons of wine. 
each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So fill them with water. And they filled them up to the brim. That's what you were thinking. Oh, Chris, you're thinking. They probably filled it a little bit, right? right yeah. I'm just picking on us because we're all so religious, right? We're all, we've all, it doesn't matter whether it's your religious, it's like spirit-led religious or conservative religious. It's, it's religious. We, we are so caught up in our presuppositions and our, what we're entering this story with. 20 to 30 gallons, six of them. And Jesus said, fill the jars with water and they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants knew who had drawn, who had drawn the water knew. Right? Because they helped Jesus. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. You get that, right? Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's, things are always have depreciating value, right? Like that first bite of something can sometimes be the best or the first sip of something. And then when you add something like alcohol that makes you more drunk, you'll notice less and less any taste or flavor. But you have kept the good wine until now. Now, what would that do for the groom's family? I mean, you see this depicted on the big screen, and I think it's helpful because that family would be like, everyone's like, whoa, who, man, uptown, baby, right? This is pretty sweet. Like, they'd be like, our daughter did pretty good for herself. This guy's family, man, he brought the good wine. He didn't bring down watered-down wine at the end or, or some kind of junk, you know? But you kept the good wine until now. Verse 11 says this. This is the first of his signs. Uh, Jesus did it at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So, according to what John is saying, this is the first sign that Jesus did among them. And what he did is he manifested his glory. And the result of that is his disciples believed in him. Then after this, once again, the, the, the amount of time we don't know. Was this a, a week-long festivity? Was, were they just for a, there for a day? Was it a couple days? We don't know. But after this was over, they went down to Capernaum, which interesting enough is kind of like over and up. But it's near the Sea of Galilee, right? So they went to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers, so his brothers were there too, right? And his disciples. And they stayed there for a few days. So do you see this kind of walking with Jesus? They've traveled from wherever this Bethany is, up to Galilee. And then they've gone to wherever they met uh, Philip. And then they went to Nathaniel. And then from wherever they met Nathaniel, they went to this wedding. And now from the wedding, they've gone to Capernaum. So they're walking together. They're living life together. Really unholy, really unspiritual things, but real things like sleeping and, you know, eating and 
washing and bathrooms and all the kind of stuff, right? And grumpiness and yeah, all, all the kind of stuff that comes from that. Like they've seen each other's morning hairdo and morning breath. And yeah, they, they have that experience. They're knowing one another. Cool story, right, Corey? I didn't mean to rhyme. So why, why tell the story, Will? Why tell the story? Praying about this. I love what John did. John, in the same book, in the same writing, right? And what we've sectioned and put into chapters and verses, but what we call 2131, it says this. It's talking about the reason that there's so many stories here. It's this idea that we're telling you some stories about Jesus. That's what he's writing about, right? So why the wedding at Cana? He answers it. He said, the wedding at Cana was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the, the rescuer, the savior, the one promised to redeem and rescue us. The son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So three things. Why, why should I tell you this story right now? One, so that you would believe that Jesus is the one sent to rescue you, the Son of God. Secondly, so that you, believing that, or from that story you might believe. And thirdly, in believing, in following him, in doing it his way, you'll find life. That's what we should be telling you. If all of you, for whatever reason, whatever, however you heard about Jesus... In Bible terms, we'd say he called you, right? He, he revealed himself to you. He spoke to you. Or someone else invited you. You're here trying to figure out what to do with life, right? And trying to figure out how to live. And you're, you've been out there and everyone's got an opinion and an idea and a philosophy. And I want to bring you Jesus's. And that's this. That if you heard these stories, it would encourage you to believe that he is the son of God. The one sent to rescue and save you. And that, that in believing that, that you would actually follow him. And in following him, you would have life. Like so much life that your life would tell people, I want to follow this Jesus too because I want life. Put it in my words, maybe I would say, I, my prayer is that you would know Jesus and not just know about him. That you would know Jesus and not just know about him. Because that's what we miss. You come on Sunday for an hour and a half and you're supposed to know this Jesus guy. But those people who followed him, they're walking Day in, day out, sweating, sleeping, crying, laughing, trying to figure out how much wine's okay to drink, right? Oh, you know, James over here is gluten-free, right? No, you know, this is the, these are the types of things they know about each other, and we're missing the entire thing, and no wonder you come to a building and you fill your head with information about this character. So what? Jesus was a man. 
but that does nothing for you. But Jesus was God. He was the Savior. Please understand this. God has a time, and so I speak to you, and I don't expect that each one of you, that this is the time you would hear what I have to say. I, don't have, I can't expect that now is the hour in which Jesus is going to invade your life and change it, and that this would be a marked moment where you're like, man, he got a hold of me this day, and things have been different ever since then. But I trust that God's timing is perfect and right, and if your hour is not yet now, just like Jesus... I defer to his patience with you and with me. See, Jesus revealed, why water into wine? He revealed his power and his love. John said it this way, he manifested his glory. What's glory? It's just a word we don't use that often. What's it mean? Could, could be happy. Extension of who God is. What's that? Greatness. Greatness. What is it? Reputation. Anyone else? Presence. What was that? Righteousness. Yeah, right? It's like, it's all those things and, and our attractedness to it. It's like, his glory is like, whoa, amazing. I mean, guys, we, we spend so many of our thoughts and so many of our days taking the God of the universe and making him smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Like, you know, this, this guy, I got water in here, I promise you. And I can't do anything to make it wine. Right? I can't, you know... Just make it, it's still water. Like, this guy, and what's crazy is even us in our most spiritual attempt, right? Didn't you expect Jesus to say, oh, in God's name, some kind of like, he starts praying in tongues over it, or like, right? Right? Baptize it in the Holy Spirit, so it becomes wine. He's just like, okay, take the scoop, pull it out, and it's wine. And not only was it wine, it was like the best wine, which should take more time. We're talking the $50 version, not the Trader Joe's $6 version. We're talking the good stuff, man. And like, Jesus could do that. This is the same guy that just told Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig. You saw me under the fig tree? You must be God. You think that's good? Wait till you see what I do next, right? Let's go party, okay? Wedding time, okay? Please understand something. The Bible's very clear. Drunkenness is bad. Why? Because you lose control. You make awful decisions. You fill yourself with wine instead of the Holy Spirit. But it says nothing against the consumption of alcohol. As a matter of fact, Jesus made tons of it to celebrate with his people, right? They celebrate. You and I are looking through Puritan eyes where it's like, Nope. That could get out of hand. As a matter of fact, I can see your ankles and it's distracting me, right? That's where we're coming from, okay? The truth is your heart is deceitful. And so, yeah, you'll take some wine and you'll go too far. Yeah, if you're the guy who has one beer and you can't just have a case, you probably shouldn't have the one beer. I get that. That's not what this sermon is about, okay? I'm getting off track. But 
What I'm saying is this is the God who can turn water into wine, can walk on water, can actually make Peter walk on water till he doubts it, bring people back from the dead, be resurrected from the dead. Like, make fish appear, right? And these one little fisherman's net. He is so huge. His glory, his awesomeness, his amazingness, his power, his goodness. If we would see it, we'd be drawn to it so much just to say, wow. And some days he'll take 60, you know, 120 gallons of water, make it wine. You can party all week. Other days, the wine runs out and God's like, go to bed. And both ways are good. But we forget that when we forget how awesome God is. They should have another story where he went to another wedding, they ran out of wine, and he didn't make water into wine to see how the people reacted, right? Well, that's kind of Job, I guess. That's Job's life story. We just studied on Sunday morning. It didn't necessarily do what God wanted him to do and would he curse God and, and ask him to die. But here's the other part that I think is hugely important. Not only did it reveal his power, he revealed his love. And that is this. I mean, get this. Little teeny town. Little teeny town in the middle of nowhere. Little teeny wedding. God loved them so much. Right? That he sent his son and he put the love for these people in his heart so much that he exposed himself. He put his life on the line to make wine. Because these, this family, because he loved and he had compassion, because clearly they meant something to his mom and his mom meant something to him. And he used it to bring glory so that these men would follow him with their life. He had compassion. But he was honest. Woman, my time has not yet come. But then he still had compassion. Wow, right? Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Jesus, who though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. See, here's what's so powerful. Here's what I wish I, I, wish I could just speak into your hearts, is this. Um, yeah, you're, you're not perfect or finished. You're going to make mistakes. Like, you don't see clearly. And all the things that you put your mind to and your heart to, the weddings that you throw and that you attend, they're going to feel like the most important thing. We, you, on the same page with me, we're tracking together on this. Whatever is right in front of you feels like everything. And then we bring this law way of thinking over it. Right, Corey, we were talking about this. This law thinking way. The law thinking Jesus would be like, this is stupid. I'm God. Why would I turn your... 
water into wine. And, and that's kind of how we treat our religion sometimes. So you guys don't bring your weddings here. I mean, you do in the church, right? Literally, but, but physically you do. But you don't bring those things that seem to be everything to you here. You leave those separately because you think God of the universe doesn't care about your wedding. I'm still talking metaphorically, okay? Just, just so we're still tracking there. That you don't think he cares about what's right in front of you. But instead he does something like, wow. He's there for you. He is honest but shows compassion. This is Jesus. This is how he works. And sometimes he makes the wine for you and sometimes he doesn't. But you're never alone. And so instead of bringing the law at you, he brought grace. Oh, silly kids, right? Silly kids, you're worried about wine. And what's amazing is, did you catch what he used? Did you catch what he used to make the wine in? Ceremonial washing things. Like, that's like a slap in the face of all things religious, right? Like, that was supposed to be, I mean, they were, they were made in such a way to keep them clean. Because they were still under this practice of like, I need this clean water to physically clean me to show that I'm spiritually clean. And Jesus came and dumped all that on its head and literally these. He, he took these and he put wine in them. Wow, right? Wow. Think about that for a second. So now let's look at the story a little differently. Jesus is walking with the disciples. This is not what they expected the God of the universe to be like. Like, they're thinking, right, and you'll catch little stories of this, so how are we going to set up the castle? Right? Like, which room do I get? This is what I expect you to do, Messiah. You're going to be a king. When do we kick some Roman butt? Right? When's this going to happen? And then Jesus is doing different weird things, like, hey, we're going to go over here. Why are we going to Cana? Right? Oh, this is Philip. Oh, hey, Philip. He's going to follow me. Oh, you should meet Nathaniel. And then he's saying things like, I saw you under the fig tree. And these guys are like, what is this dude? Like, he's, he's grabbing these guys. Where's, where's the army? Where's the castle? Where's the strategic plan for overthrowing the Ro Roman government? Man, we're going to be huger than Babylon. This is going to be amazing. And they're walking. And later on, you see it. They're just kind of walking. And this happened upon, we're going to go this way. Right? And they're like, we're going to go to Samaria. We're going to go over here to Samaria. I'm going to go get a drink here. And they come back, a woman's talking to him. I mean, Jesus does crazy things that you wouldn't expect. So they're going to a wedding. Like, okay, I guess we can talk about the kingdom set up after the wedding. Then they get there. I don't even know if they knew what was going on. They were probably just enjoying the festivities. But at some point in time, they're like, this dude turned water into wine. here's us. We'd be like, I wish he would turn water to wine in my life, then I would believe. And they said, 
that doesn't work that way. Because watch, fast forward, when they go to kill him, we all run away. <laughs> we all run away. So this is what I want to leave you with good news about Jesus. First thing is this. He's God. Like, our God. Guys, he's so powerful, he spoke words and things were created. He is so powerful, nothing powerful, nothing is impossible for him. He is so powerful that nothing is beyond his ability to control it. And anytime he doesn't intercede, that's an act of strength, not an act of weakness. And to have that God love you so much that he took on the form of man came to earth and died for us? Wow. How, how do you think we should react? I mean, really, how do you, not rhetorically, like, help me out. How should we react to this? Should be what? Ready? Running to him? Yeah, someone else has said something over here? What should we do? We should what? Gratefulness? Like, yeah. Be in awe. Fall on our knees. Mm -hmm. Like, the Bible says humble yourself. It doesn't say be humble. You're not going to be humble, but you've got to humble yourself daily, guys, and that's my job. You see, this is exciting right now because what we're talking about is what God is and what he can do. Right? And you and I, do you want to live? If you want to live and I want to live, I know the way we can live. And that's with God. And every time that we take our eyes off of him, which has happened, even like us at our house this week, we had like all this stuff happen, right? Kids back to school and all that. And you can get so distracted, even us just talking like, wow, you can just take your eyes off the greatness of God for a minute and it throws you off. And it's like, test. I'm going to see if you're going to bounce back or you're going to pout. And it's like, no, God, even when I get knocked down, man, I'm popping back up. Help me back up. Help me, Lord, Right? We're still moving forward. I'm going home with you eventually. And right now, I'm being transformed day by day. And the more I follow you, the more life. The more I run away from you, the more death. So it's up to our choice. So here's the good news of that, right? Jesus came, and while you were still a sinner, he died for you. And that gives you a chance anytime, anywhere. But especially right now, when you've been reminded of this, is to, to pray like, Lord, forgive me, man. I have taken my eyes off the one true God who can turn water into wine. The one true God who couldn't care so much about religion, right? Who would make wine in the cleaning vessels. And maybe you're good at religion and that's threatening. Maybe you're bad at religion and it's comforting. Either way, that's your journey. that we might humble ourselves before God and say, you're everything. 
forgive me. Help me as I get back on track of following you. I, I want to follow you. When you come in and you attend the wedding, right? Whatever it is I have going on in my life, and I see your goodness, I just want to keep walking with you. And I'll go down to Capernaum with you. And I don't know what it will be, but we're going to go together. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. I think the why is important. My brother Reggie is going to turn the lights down a little bit. It seems less threatening that way. It's not, it's not a psychology trick, okay? It just seems less threatening that way. We're going to play some music, but I'm going to ask these guys just to start instrumentally for a little while because I, I want you to have an opportunity. Maybe now is not the time, but maybe now is just the moment where you needed that reminder to, to humble yourself before the God who can turn water into wine and that you've got to throw down your misconceptions about him and, and you just got to come to your knees with him and say, I'm yours and I'll follow you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to start us off. I'm going to prime it. Lord, I, I just pray what John prayed, that I shared this story about the wedding at Cana, that by hearing about this, that we might believe in you, that we might trust you as our Lord, as our leader, And that by trusting you and following you, we'll find life and find it full. So Holy Spirit, I pray, I know that you live in those who believe, Lord, and you are the comforter and the counselor and the convictor. And so I think in this room, we probably need all three. So I pray that you would just speak up to the hearts where you live and that you would come around those who you don't live in and that you would speak to us. You would comfort us where we need comforting and and counsel us where we need counsel and convict us where we need convicting. I pray, Jesus, that you would do this in your power.